Chapter Eight of Stories of King Arthur and His Knights. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joy Chan. Stories of King Arthur and His Knights by Hugh Waldo Cutler. Chapter Eight, A Stag Hunt and What Came of It. It befell that Arthur and many of his knights rode on hunting into a deep forest. And King Arthur, King Uriens of Gaul, that was the husband of Arthur's sister Morgan le Fay, and Sir Accolon of Gaul, followed a great heart, so fast that within a while they were ten miles from their fellowship. At the last they chased so sore that they slew their horses underneath them. Then were they all three on foot, and ever they saw the heart afore them passing weary and hard bestead. Let us go on foot, said King Uriens, till we meet with some lodging. Then were they ware of the hart that lay on a great water-bank, and a dog biting on his throat, and more other hounds came after. King Arthur now blew the prize and dight the hart. But the three knights were in sore straits, so far from home, and without horses, and they began to look about the world. Then Arthur saw afore him in a great lake a little ship, all apparelled with silk down to the water, coming right unto them, and it landed on the sands. They went on board, all three, to see what was in the ship. Soon it was dark night, and there suddenly were about them, an hundred torches set upon all the sides of the ship boards, and it gave great light. Therewithal they came out twelve fair damsels, and they set forth for the knights a supper of all meats that they could think. Then they showed them richly beseen chambers for the night, where the three huntsmen slept marvellously. But when they awoke next morning, Everything had been changed through the sorcery of Morgan le Fay, that was secretly plotting against her brother to destroy him. King Uriens awoke in his own bed in Camelot, and Arthur found himself in a dark prison, with many woeful knights complaining about him, and they soon told him for what cause they were there. The lord of the castle where they were prisoners was the falsest knight alive, a treacherous, cowardly man named Sir Damas. He had a younger brother, Sir Ontlake, a good knight of prowess, well-beloved of all people, from whom he was keeping back unjustly a full fair manner. Great war had been betwixt these brothers. Ontlake was a far better fighter than the cowardly Damas, and yet he could not bring the elder to give over the younger brother's inheritance. He offered to fight for it, and wished Sir Damas to find a knight to fight in his stead, if he himself dared not engage. But Sir Damas was so hated, that there was never one would fight for him, though he had by force taken all the knights of that whole region, and brought them to his prison, for to make them willing to take up his cause. Many had died there, and the twenty that were yet alive were lean and spent with hunger, but no one of them would stand against Sir Onslake. Anon there came a damsel unto Arthur, and asked him, What cheer? "'I cannot say,' said he. "'Sir,' said she, "'if ye will fight for my lord, "'ye shall be delivered out of prison, "'and else ye escape never with life.' "'Now,' said Arthur, "'that is hard. "'Yet had I liefer to fight with a knight "'than to die in prison.' "'And so it was agreed that he should do the battle "'on this covenant, "'that he should be delivered and all the prisoners. "'With that,' All the twenty knights were brought out of the dark prison into the hall, and set free, 
but they all abode to see the battle. Now we turn unto Acolon of Gaul that was with King Arthur and King Urens on the stag-hunt, and that fell asleep on the magic ship. When he awoke, he found himself beside a deep well, within half a foot of its edge, in great peril of death. Heaven save my lord King Arthur and King Uriens, said he, for these damsels in the ship have betrayed us. They were devils and no women, and if I may escape this misadventure, I shall destroy all false damsels that use enchantments, wherever I may find them. Right then there came a dwarf with a great mouth and a flat nose, and saluted Sir Acolon, and said he came from Queen Morgan le Fay. She greeteth you well, said he, and biddeth you be of strong heart, for ye shall fight to morn with the knight at the hour of prime, and therefore she hath sent you here Excalibur, Arthur's sword, and the scabbard, and she biddeth you, as ye love her, that ye do the battle to the uttermost without any mercy, like as ye promised her when ye spake together in private. Sir Acolon believed he fully understood the message, and he said he should keep his promise now that he had the sword. Just then a knight, who was no other than Sir Onslake himself, with a lady and six squires, came up on horseback, saluted Sir Acolon, and begged him to come and rest himself at his manor. So Acolon mounted upon a spare horse and rode to the manor, where he had passing good cheer. Meantime Sir Damas sent to his brother Sir Onslake, and bade him make ready to fight the next day with a good knight who had agreed to do battle for the disputed heritage. And it happened through Morgan le Fay's trickery that Acolon was lodged with Sir Onslake at the very time when this message came. Now Sir Onslake was sore troubled at the message, for he had been wounded in both thighs by a spear a short time before, and was suffering much. Still, wounded as he was, he would have taken the battle in hand, had not Sir Acolon offered to fight in his stead, because Morgan le Fay had sent Excalibur in the sheath for the battle with the knight on the morrow. Then Sir Onslake was passing glad, and sent word unto his brother, Sir Damas, that he had a knight who would be ready in the field by to-morrow at the hour of prime. So it was arranged that Sir Arthur and Sir Acolon, unknown to one another, were to fight over the quarrel of the two brothers. Preparations were made accordingly, and all the knights and commons of the country were there to see the encounter. Just as Arthur was ready upon horseback, there came a damsel from Morgan le Fay, bringing unto him a sword like unto Excalibur and the scabbard, and said, Morgan le Fay sendeth you here your sword for great love. He thanked her, not knowing that the sword and scabbard were counterfeit, and brittle and false. They went eagerly to the battle, and gave many great strokes. Sir Acolon had all advantage on his side, for he had the real Excalibur, Morgan le Fay having so ordained that King Arthur should have been slain that day. King Arthur's sword never bit like Sir Acolon's, and almost every stroke Sir Acolon gave wounded sore, so that it was a marvel that Arthur stood. Almost from the first it seemed to him that the sword in Acolon's hand must be Excalibur, but he was so full of knighthood that nightly he endured the pain of the many wounds, and held out as well as he might, until his sword brake at the cross and fell in the grass among the blood. Now he expected to die, but he held up his shield and lost no ground, nor baited any cheer. All men that beheld him said they never saw knight fight so well as Arthur did, considering the blood that he bled, and they were sorry for him, 
But Accolon was so bold because of Excalibur that he grew passing hardy, and called upon Arthur to yield himself as recreant. "'Nay,' said Sir Arthur, "'I may not so, for I have promised to do the battle to the uttermost by the faith of my body while my life lasteth, and therefore I had rather die with honour than live with shame. And if it were possible for me to die an hundred times, I had rather die so oft than yield myself to thee. For, though I lack weapon, I shall lack no honour, and if thou slay me weaponless, that shall be thy shame. But Accolon cared not for shame, and would not spare. He gave Arthur such a stroke that he fell nigh to the earth, yet he pressed upon Accolon with his shield, and with the pommel of his sword in his hand, gave such a blow that Accolon fell back a little. Now it chanced that one of the damsels of the court, she that had put Merlin under the stone, had come into the field for love of King Arthur, for she knew how Morgan le Fay had determined that Arthur should be slain. Therefore she came to save his life. She saw how full of prowess Arthur was, and grieved that so good a knight should be slain through false treason. So when Accolon gave another blow, the sword Excalibur fell out of his hand to the earth. Arthur lightly leapt to it and got it in his hand, and forthwith knew that it was his own Excalibur. Then he saw the scabbard hanging by Accolon's side, and anon pulling it from him, he threw it off as far as he might throw it. Therewith Sir Arthur rushed upon Accolon with all his might and pulled him to the earth. He then snatched off his helmet for the final blow, and the fierce battle was at an end. "'Slay me ye may well,' said Accolon, "'if it please you, for ye are the best knight that ever I found, and I see well that God is with you.' But now Sir Arthur thought he must have seen this knight, and asked, "'Of what country art thou, and of what court?' And when Sir Accolon told him his name, then he remembered him of his sister, Morgan le Fay, and of the enchantment of the ship. He made Accolon tell how he came by the sword, and then Arthur knew all the plot of his sister, and of Accolon to have the king slain and herself made queen. For the first time Arthur now let Accolon know against whom he had been fighting. The fallen knight cried aloud for mercy when he learned that he had nearly slain the king, and said to all the knights and men that were then there gathered together, O lords, this noble knight that I have fought withal, which I sorely repent of, is the best man of prowess, of manhood, and of honour in the world, for it is King Arthur himself, the liege lord of us all, and with mishap and with misadventure have I done this battle with the king and lord in whose power I am. Then all the people fell down on their knees, and called upon King Arthur for mercy, which he forthwith granted. The king was sorely hurt, and Accolon's wounds were even worse. Arthur made haste to settle the quarrel of the brothers Sir Damas and Sir Onslake, by giving the latter his rights, and charging Sir Damas upon pain of death never to distress knights-errant that ride on their adventures, and then was carried off to a nearby abbey, and Sir Accolon with him, to have their wounds searched. Within four days Sir Accolon died from loss of blood during the fight, but King Arthur was well recovered. When Accolon was dead, the king let send him on a horse-bier with six knights unto Camelot, and said, Bear him to my sister Morgan le Fay, and say that I send him to her as a present, and tell her that I have my sword Excalibur again, 
and the scabbard. So they departed with the body. End of chapter 8